Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Okay, everybody. I was doing my best just to let it calm down, but it's not happening. So you forced me to take control. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. Really happy to see your faces uh, this morning. And want to sort of wrap up an informal series we've been working on for the last month here at the Vineyard. Uh, And the title of today's message is called Moved by the Spirit. And what we've been working on mostly for the last month is this idea that Perhaps Jesus is inviting us to learn again something new. And specifically what he is, I think, maybe encouraging this particular church to lean into again is to look outward uh, beyond ourselves to the community that we live in and to look towards the people who need a life with God. Like to look towards people who don't have a life with God or maybe whose life with God is fractured or uh, to look towards people who've, who've never really taken Jesus all that serious and, and to look beyond, uh, the word I keep getting is the fishbowl of our family, the fishbowl of our church, the fishbowl of our like very, very ordered and self-contained lives, which are good. But one of the things that we're learning is that Jesus is always inviting us to look a little bit further outward. And so that's what I want to do this morning. Uh, I I want to teach a very, very simple message uh, this morning uh, called Moved by the Spirit. And we're just going to look at a couple scriptures and and we'll get there in a moment. But I I want to start here. I want to to start by, by asking you to remember maybe something from your childhood. Some of you might still be able to remember your childhood. I want you to think back to being smaller. And I want you to remember maybe this. Uh, how many of you here ever, ever flew a kite when you were a kid? Anybody here ever fly a kite? You know? Um, it, like when we were kids, when we were kids, like, it's magic. Marcus, you, did you use the word magic? Yeah, it's literally magic. It's kid magic. I, I don't know if you're aware of it. You're probably older now if you're sitting in this room and if you're not over in the kid's wing. And the magic is mostly gone from your life, you know? Uh, but when you're a kid, when you're a kid, uh, there's all kinds of magic in your life. And, and part of the magic in your life is how, how, how in the world does a kite even work? You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I remember as a child, you know, March in Kentucky, it's, it's not just a stereotype. The wind really does blow. It, and it literally blows winter out and it brings springtime in, doesn't it? Like right around the time that the Kentucky Wildcats are either dominating or breaking our hearts, like all of this is overlapped. It's, you know, it's all one story, you know? But right around, right around March, the wind really would blow in Kentucky. And as kids, we would, we'd go to like Dollar General and buy a 75 cent kite, you know? And you'd, you know, the first thing you'd do is you'd get it out of the package and you'd put the little plastic pieces in and you get it and then you'd, then you'd uh, tape, tape the tails on, you know? You'd tape those suckers on, and then you'd go run outside. And if the wind was right, you didn't even have to do anything. It would just, whew, it's just up in the air. And then you're letting, you're letting the line out as fast as you can. 
And I remember being out on Lone Valley Road as a, as a young kid, and we'd be flying kites with our cousins, and we'd see how, who could get their kite highest in the air, right? Like, that's the whole goal. And you would, if you're really good and if the wind was right, you would let every bit of line out of your thing that holds the line. I, what is that called? I don't know. Spool, thank you. That's the way this works. I give, you have to help me. This is two-way. But you'd let all the line out of your spool, word of the day, and you'd see how far it would go. And sometimes it would get so high up that you could barely see the kite, right? Like you could just, it would almost disappear. And it would take you like six and a half hours to wind it back in. <laughs> and if you remember right, like once, once you wind the spool back up, the kite never flies again. It's, it's done. Like whatever happened in that exchange, it's just done. But I just, I love that memory when I was thinking this week about being moved by the Spirit. I was thinking about kites and I was thinking about sails. And the reason I was thinking about kites and sails and the move of the Spirit and looking outward and, and seeing people who are maybe beyond the edges of the fishbowl of the lives that we currently live, I was thinking about all of that because a couple scriptures were just I don't know, they were in my head and heart this week. And I just want to read one from the book of Acts to you. One very small scripture, Acts chapter 1, Seth. There we go. Uh, this is Jesus right before he ascends. Whoop, and he's talking to his disciples. So this is like resurrected Jesus. He says, look, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere he says, in Jerusalem, and then think like concentric circles here, right? Getting bigger. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, everywhere. Uh, I've been thinking about this scripture a little bit uh, this week as, as we talk about looking outward. And, and the reason I've been thinking about this scripture is for a couple reasons. The first would be, it is the work of the Spirit that moves us outward. You know, we're charismatics here at the Vineyard. Right, let me tell you what it means to be a charismatic. We think, we think that in every time Christians get together, God could do anything. That's really what it means to be a charismatic. It means, it means anything could happen. Uh, but here at the Vineyard, uh, it also means this. Uh, part of anything could happen also means maybe nothing's going to happen. You know, that's the dynamic tension we live in. But here's what it means to be a charismatic. It means we believe the Spirit is present, that when Christians get together, anything could happen. And sometimes in charismatic circles, sometimes this dynamic reality of the Spirit's presence among us, sometimes it actually, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, it actually reinforces the fishbowl. Now, that's not what the Spirit does, but it's, it's the way that we approach Him sometimes reinforces the fishbowl. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes uh, as we lean into wanting to make a place for the Spirit, wanting to be charismatic, wanting to uh, make room for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit, sometimes what we end up doing is reinforcing the fishbowl by making it more about the meeting you know, or the manifestation of the spirit that we happen to be teaching on. And we lose connection with the most dynamic part of who the spirit is and what the spirit does. 
the most dynamic part of who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does is He is in us and He is empowering us, look here, to tell the story of Jesus and to move us out. It is not possible to be a Spirit-filled Christian and live inside of the fishbowl. You can talk about the Holy Spirit, you can speak in tongues, you can pray for the sick, you can do all the things, but if it's not moving me out of my fishbowl towards people, and usually towards people who are different. Notice here in verse eight, uh, it starts with people who are the same, Jerusalem. Then it moves to your cousins in Judea, and then it moves to your second cousins in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, By the time you get to the ends of the earth, you're moving towards people who are very different than you, right? That's what the Spirit does. Uh, It's it's no accident that in the Bible uh, that the word for Spirit in the Old Testament and New Testament is the word breath. In the Old Testament and New Testament, the word for the Spirit is breath or wind. I remember that moment in Genesis where it says that the Spirit of God was what? hovering over the waters. And some translations say moving over the waters, right? And then in the second chapter of Genesis, it said that God formed Adam from the dust of the earth and he breathed the breath of life. He breathed the ruach, the wind, the breath, the moving spirit of God. He breathed them into this formless, this little formed clay ball. And he, and it said, And Adam became a living soul. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit gives life, but the Spirit is moving because the Spirit is the breath of God. It's the wind of God. And it is, how many of you know that wind is not in a place, it's moving. It's not not in one spot. It's not localized. It's like, it's, it's moving. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus begins to talk about the Spirit, the first thing he tells the disciples is you're going to get power, but it's not the power to stay inside of the ideas that you've been raised with. It's not the power to stay inside of the very small fishbowl that you were raised in. It's the power to tell people about Jesus and to move a little bit further. I want to share one more story, Seth, maybe out of the gospel of John. Uh, This was just something that popped in my head as well. This is Jesus telling Nicodemus and, and they're having this like little moment about like, what does it mean to be born again? And Jesus says to uh, Nick, he says this, he says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit, what the moving, hovering, uh, expansive breath and wind of God. He says, humans can only rep- reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Look at this. The wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going, you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. They're kind of having a different conversation than the one we're having right now. But here's what I want you to know. It's this connection between the idea that the spirit of God, it's the wind and the breath, and it doesn't stay in one spot. It's moving. It's moving. And so the thing I want us to wrestle with this morning as we're vineyard people, as we're Holy Spirit people, as we're people who want to be obedient to Jesus, loved by the Father and empowered by the Spirit, the thing I want us to wrestle with is this. Where is it that God might be inviting us to move? He's moving us. And here's the thing. If he's not moving us, maybe it's because there's a hole in our kite. 
Maybe it's because there's a hole in our sail, right? Okay. All right, here's what I want us to see this morning. Number one, that the Spirit moves. That's what the power of the Spirit does. The power of the Spirit causes movement. And this power of the Spirit does something else too. It gives us, it gives us the ability to tell the story of Jesus. Seth, can we just put up Acts chapter 1, verse 8 again? Because I just want us to see this. Look, you're going to get the power of the Spirit to do what? To tell, to tell people about Jesus everywhere. And there's movement. So the two things. There's movement, and it's the power to tell the story of Jesus. And Jesus used the word here, witness. Now, how many of you, when you hear the word witness, you go, oh, no. Because <laughs> that's how I feel about the word witness, you know? Uh, because here's, here's what the word witness mostly means in a Southern evangelical, you know, whatever it is we kind of all grew up here in, uh, in Kentucky. The word witness mostly means like, uh, go tell people you don't like things they don't want to hear. <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of a better way to say it, but that's the best I could do. And, and, or, or, or maybe you think about, maybe you think about being at home on a Saturday morning and then some Jehovah's Witnesses come to your house, right? Like somebody knocks on your door and you're like, dude, I do not want to have this conversation with you, right? Or, or, or maybe, or maybe you're thinking, or maybe you're thinking, uh, uh, something else that just feels very on the spot and intimidating. But, but here's what I want to tell you what it means just from the story of Jesus and the story of the disciples. Here's what it means to be a witness. It's very simple. It means to say what happened. Like what does a witness do? Witnesses just say what happened. That's, that's all witnesses do. So think about Let's, let's think about a court case maybe here for a second. And you get called to the witness stand and maybe an attorney asks you, uh, hey, uh, where were you? Or what did you see? And then the only responsibility for the person on the witness stand is, is to just say what happened. That's it. Or, or maybe you could think of a news reporter who comes to the scene of something and then they put the microphone in, from, in front of somebody who was on the street and they say, well, what did you see? And, and the person would say, well, this is, well, this is what I saw. Uh, both of those are really great little pictures of what it means to be a witness. It means we just say what we see. And you just, you just look into the camera or the reporter and you just, you just say what you know. And this is, by the way, this is exactly what happens to Peter when he's filled with the Spirit. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 2. So I love this. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. The Spirit's going to give you that power. It's going to move you out. And then in Acts chapter 2, the 120 are having this prayer gathering, right? And they're doing what Jesus said. Jesus said, wait. Basically, they're living in their fishbowl. And then the Spirit comes from heaven. And what does it sound like? Sounds like wind. Isn't it amazing how consistent this is throughout the Bible? It sounds like wind. It falls on them with fire. And where do the disciples end up? Outside. They were inside, but now they're outside. And everybody's speaking in tongues and somebody's like, these people are drunk. And Peter's like, no, we're not in fact drunk. We've been filled with the Spirit. And by the way, this is exactly what 
the scriptures say from the book of Joel. So here's what I love. I love this picture that the spirit is giving people the ability to what? Tell the story and then it moves them outward. So we know the story. You start in the upper room, the wind of the spirit comes upon your life. It moves you outside. And then all of a sudden you have somebody like Peter and Peter's not making things up. He's only saying what he's seen. That's it. Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? It means, it means the Spirit comes on our lives and it, and it puts us in places that we never thought we'd go and in moments we never thought we'd be in. And the only thing the Spirit is giving us power to do is to say, this is what I know about Jesus. This is what I know. And some of us in the room, uh, you might be thinking, uh, yeah, that's great, Adam, uh, but I'm not exactly Peter. I'm not the rock. I'm not the foundation of the church. In fact, I'm very afraid And beyond that, I've taken a few tests and I'm an introvert. Oh, I'd like to say a couple things about that. Number one, it's okay. It's okay to be afraid. Being afraid is great. Like it's totally fine. Who isn't afraid sometimes, right? Uh, Who isn't a little bit nervous? Uh, But I, I do want to say one thing about fear and nervousness. All the good stuff in life has a little bit of that around it, doesn't it? Uh, how many of you remember the day you got married? Like some of us in here have been married. How many of you walked down the aisle and you were like shaking? Or how many of you walked down the aisle and you were fine and then the music stops and everyone is standing up and then all of a sudden you started shaking? Yeah, why? Well, I mean, it's kind of a big moment. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's some nerves around that. Or when you, the day you find out that, that, you're, that, you're, that you're pregnant or the day that you hold your first kid in your arms, uh, there's some nerves around that. And if, and if you don't have the nerves when you hold the baby in your arms the first time, when it poops black myconium everywhere <laughs> and it won't come off. Like no one told me that. I went to the class and some of you are like, I don't know what I'm, t- I've never heard that word. Look it up. Some of you are like, I'm not even married. Read about it now. I'm, it's going to happen to you. What is that stuff? It's alien. You get so nervous. I was pushing that button for the nurses. No one came. And that's when I knew. That's when I knew. I was like, we're doomed. We're doomed. Yeah, like all the good stuff in life has a little bit of nerves. Some of you are in, some of you are in high school right now. Or maybe you're in middle school or, or, or maybe you're in college and, and you're an athlete and, and some of you have played in a, in a big game. Maybe you've, maybe you've played in the district tournament or maybe you got out of the districts and you made it to the regions or you played in a championship game and, and there's a feeling in your body two days before the game. I know this, not because I was ever... <laughs> it was never me. It was never me. But I know this because my own kids, they've told me. And they get, they get this look on their faces. And they walk around the house and they snap at you. <laughs> and why? why? Here's why. Because, because there's, like, there's a little fear. There's a little anxiety. All of a sudden, we're not just, we're not just, we're not just playing Marion County anymore. We've got to go play the kids at North Harden. You know? And that feels different. And... Uh, 
But that's where the good stuff is, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Like, that's where the magic is. Like, everything in life that's actually good, it probably has a little bit of that nerves and a little bit of anxiety. Some of us are like, well, I'm nervous, I'm a little fearful, and I'm an introvert. Uh, it's good to be nervous. It's fine to be fearful. It's literally totally fine. And if you're an introvert, that's great, too. Like, it's great. None of that keeps us from being used by the Spirit. None of that is an impediment to God. Uh, Everything there is fine. Uh, God works through our experiences, and God works through our temperaments. Uh, he, God is not like surprised. Oh my gosh, I was I I forgot that she's an introvert. I, I just forgot, you know. One of the things that we see from the story of the disciples is that the very fearful disciples are the ones who become bold. You know, we, we see this in the story of Peter. Like, I just quickly retold you the story of Peter, but like, touched by the Spirit from inside to outside, this is not drunkenness. This is what Joel said. Let me tell you the story about the things that have happened to me with Jesus, you know? But just a few days before, Peter is the guy who's too afraid to say that he even knows Jesus. Right before Jesus is crucified, he's around a fire and he's warming up. And, and, and one of the girls who recognizes him and maybe his accent says, Hey, aren't you Peter who hangs out with Jesus? He's like, No, it ain't me. I don't even know him. You know? Isn't that amazing? Like, Why am I telling you? Because it's not just that we're sometimes made a certain way, but it's the Spirit who oftentimes changes us, gives us boldness. Not brashness, but boldness. This comes by the Spirit. Uh, I would also like to just underline once again that it's really important, I think, in this moment for us to really get to know our own stories. To really get to know our own stories, especially as it relates to Jesus. That's what a witness does. They just say what they've seen. The Spirit empowers saying what we've seen. Uh, like I told you a few weeks ago, one of the things that we've been doing in our staff meeting is, is we've been taking 20 minutes to tell our life stories. And then afterwards, uh, everybody else on the staff gets to spend a few minutes just doing uh, observations and questions. Like, here's what, I, here's what I see and here's what I hear in your story. And uh, that makes me have this question. It's been really powerful. Uh, and here's what's come up a couple times in our own staff meeting. Um, a couple people, two particular people at our staff they were, they were telling their story, and especially as it relates to Jesus, because that's one of the things we wanted to talk about. And a couple people in our story, uh, they gave a little preamble to, to their life with Jesus. And the preamble was basically, you know, I was a pretty, I was like a pretty normal kid. In fact, I was a pretty good kid. And I don't, I don't really have a testimony. I was never like really bad. And then I became good, you know. And, and then they told some other stuff. And what was really interesting is, what was really interesting is, number one, how much this idea of we need to be a really, really bad person and God needs to make us good is just prevalent in whatever it means to give a testimony, which is, I just want to say, that's crazy, okay? It's totally crazy. By that standard, even Jesus has no testimony, right? Like, let's just think for a moment. Like, like Jesus didn't do bad stuff when he was a teenager and then, oh my gosh, I'm different, you know? But, but here's what was interesting. 
when, when, when these people who gave the little preamble, I don't, like, I don't even know if this is important about my story. Then they began to say a couple things about their life and how they came to know God. And you could feel the room fill with the love of God. It's amazing. Like I learned a couple things and I, 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 there's one person on our staff told a story and I forgot to talk to them, so I'm not going to share it right now. It's their story to tell. But I was so touched by their story about how they came to know that like God really is present in their life, knows them. And uh, uh, Jesus says that God knows the hairs on your head, you know? And, and, and this awareness, I'm like, I feel it even now because I'm just thinking about this person. I was like, I didn't know that about this person. And I certainly didn't know this is how you came to know Jesus. And it was, it was such a profound story. And, and here's why it's profound. Because it's the wind of the Spirit empowering a person to say what they've seen and what they know. And when that happens, it just it changes everyone around them. So why am I telling that? Uh, it, I, I think one of the things the Spirit would want us to do in this room is to begin to review our life and for us to begin to get in real contact with our stories, especially, especially our life with God. Like, what has happened to you? How has God intersected your life? What is your story? Uh, I want to quickly, very quickly, tell you uh, one little tiny story from my life. Uh, when I was 17, when I was 17, I was sent by this church to a vineyard conference in California. I was sent with my 16-year-old friend. Uh, this is the mid-90s. The church gave us a credit card, $500 in cash, and put us on a plane and sent us to LAX. There are no cell phones. Uh, and, or let me put it this way. No one that anyone knows has a cell phone. Like, no one has a cell phone. There are bag phones in cars that, that men in Miami Vice jackets sometimes use. And Zach Morris, correct. See, Marcus, you have, this is the way it works. You help me. And we landed in California. We didn't know anything about the vineyard. And we went to a vineyard. It was a Winds of Worship conference. And John Wimber was very, very sick. He was just a few months away from his death. Of course, nobody knew that at the time. And we're sitting in this conference. There's thousands of people. There's like four or 5,000 people jammed in this room. And at one point, John Wimber says, if you're under 28, I want you to come forward because we want to pray for everybody who's under 28 because in order for this vineyard thing to keep going, it has to touch the next generation. And I was like, well, I'm 17. I can't. So I go forward and some people that I don't know pray for me. In fact, a man that I, that I at the time didn't know but now do know prayed for me and he put his hand right on my chest and he prayed these really wonderful prayers. And then he, William Wallace, shouted the word freedom as loud as a human being can shout. And that sounds weird in this room, but in that room it was very normal. Again, it was the 90s. Some of you all don't remember the 90s. <laughs> and I, I, I got profoundly baptized in the Holy Spirit. Profoundly baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, which is to say that I hit the ground. And I couldn't get up. Which makes no sense if you've never had that experience. Uh, I highly recommend it. 
And when I did get up, we went back to the hotel. And, and here's where the story gets a little odd. Um, we were going, yeah, as if that other part wasn't odd, it gets better. <laughs> but you know how you have the little keys to get into your room? So we have the, and you do the thing. And we went to the room and I used the key to get in the room and I did the thing and it doesn't work. I thought, that's really weird. Did the thing, doesn't work, doesn't work. So then I go to the front desk and they give me a new key. We go in. Then I look and my watch has stopped and it's, and it's stuck at like 9.08. I'm like, that's really weird. I'm not putting anything together at this point. And then the next morning we go to check out because it's time to come home and I give them my credit card to pay for the room and they run the card and it doesn't work. It just says, it just wouldn't work. It, it wasn't declining. It just, they were like, the, there's something wrong with the magnetic strip on your card. And the only thing I can make of this story, there's lots more to it, but whatever happened in that moment where the Holy Spirit profoundly touched me, anything that was like magnetic or, or battery operated just died. And some of you are like, that's really weird. I know. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And, but that's not even the point of the story. But the point of the story is that part of what changed in my life, and from that moment on, my life was forever different. But part of what changed in my life was uh, I got a new kind of boldness in my life. Like the fear or the anxiety of, of saying what has happened to me with Jesus just completely left my life. And it was in that moment and in that season where the internal call to be a pastor and really to be a preacher settled with me and I was no longer afraid of it. Up to that point, I was resisting it and I was mostly resisting it out of the anxiety of I just didn't want to stand up in front of people because I was too scared, you know? I could tell you a lot more. Uh, many, many, many things happened in that moment that literally don't make sense other than it was the empowerment of the Spirit to say what I had seen that had moved me out into places I never thought I would go. That's the way this works, being moved by the Spirit. Uh, I'm telling you that story this morning because we all need to get in contact with our stories. And here's what I know. Every time I tell that story, it lands on somebody around. It lands on somebody around. And, and somebody might come up to me and I might pray for them this morning or, or you'll call me or email me this week and we'll talk about it. And why? Because there's something about saying what we've seen that opens up things for other people that they didn't know was possible. That's what this is. Two more little quick things and we'll be done. Number one, we don't make the wind blow. We don't make the wind blow. We've been talking about being moved by the Spirit and He's a wind and He's a breath and He gives us power and tells the story, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we don't make the wind blow. Uh, how many of you know that there's not a Holy Spirit fan that you can just click on? <clears throat> there's no Holy Spirit fan. Uh, sometimes people try to pretend there's a Holy Spirit fan and there's a button that you can, that you can push and then everything has to work. But that's just not the way it is. Uh, there, there's no button to start the wind. There's, there's no button to turn the wind off. Do you guys Remember on Thursday, the wind was blowing here in Kentucky like 40 miles an hour, and it was driving me flipping crazy, and everything in me was wanting to go turn it off. Like, can we just not do that? Like, today would be great. Can we just not do that? Um, but there's, there's no button. And when it comes to the things of the Spirit, and when it comes to the moves of the Spirit, there's, 
There's no button to make it happen. So what do you do? Uh, very simple, very simple. Uh, you make sure your kite and you make sure your sail does not have holes in it. That's what you do. Uh, you, you make, like, maybe the wind's blowing or maybe it's not. But here's what you do. You make sure that there's no holes in your sails and there's no holes in your kites because uh, it might be today or it might be tomorrow, but the wind is going to blow. The wind is going to blow. Here's the other thing I've noticed about Kentucky too. Uh, the wind's always blowing in Kentucky. Like even on days you think it's not, the wind is actually blowing. You just have to get more still to notice it. You just have to get a little quieter. So for us here at the Vineyard this morning, part of what God is doing is he's wanting us to move beyond Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And he wants to move us a little further out. Now, let me just, let me define that real quickly for us and we'll, we'll pray, okay? Uh, for some of us here, some of us here, uh, just because I know how the Lord works and I know the, the history of our own church, probably some of us here uh, who are with us, uh, you're, you're not going to be with us forever. In fact, the Lord is probably going to like touch your life and then move you, like physically and literally move you to some other place to do a thing that he's called you to do. And we just want to say, like, bless it, Lord, and let it happen. But most of us in this room, like Campbellsville is our home. And, and so what does it mean to be moved out? What does it mean to go to the edges or to move towards people who are different than us? Well, it, it probably means uh, noticing what is God doing? How is the wind and the breath of the Spirit moving at work? How is the wind and the breath of the Spirit moving at our neighborhood, uh, in the cul-de-sac that we live on? Like, is there a neighbor who's next door that we don't even know? might be important to know that person, like their name. Uh, what's, who's their dog? Uh, it might be important to know. Uh, but, th- but then uh, in the schools that we go to, you know, God might be moving us, moving us out. There's no button, but when the wind blows, there may be some moment at work or at school or in the neighborhood that we live in where, where God is going to open up an opportunity for us to simply say what we've seen about Jesus. Like, it could happen this week. It could happen this week. Uh, just this week, uh, I had a random interaction. I was on my way to Wilmore, Kentucky yesterday morning, and I went in, I went in to pay for my gas on the edge of Marion County by the bypass. I uh, actually already paid for my gas. I went in to get uh, a drink and to, and to get a banana, you know, because I trust fruit from gas stations. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm in line waiting to pay for it. And, and, and the person in front of me is talking to someone with them while they're waiting on the person in front of them. And the person in front of me is saying to the person next to them, I feel like garbage today, right? And I wanted to not hear that. I, want, I was like, I didn't want to hear that. And I'm like, and then I'm listening to them and... What they're talking, I don't really understand what they were talking about in the moment, but I just know this person was not feeling very good. And so I was like, okay, I think there's 
the breeze of the Holy Spirit is here. And so I pay for my banana. And sure enough, when I walked outside, they're like, it was, they were very uncouth. They were like fiddling with something. And so I just went over and I said, hey, I, I just overheard you in there. And I know that sounds really weird and that you're not feeling well today. Um, I, I'm a Christian and I know that Jesus, he came for sick people. Uh, would you let me pray for you? And you know what the person told me? Would you please? Now, on the bypass, I said, well, let's just stand next to your car. <clears throat> and I, it, was, it was like two little elderly ladies. I said, do you care if I just hold your hand? And she said, would you please? So I held, I held her hand, and we just prayed there for a second, right? Uh, come to find out, she's this sweet little Catholic lady. And she's like, this is the coolest thing, you know? And, and it was cool. It was like super cool. And as, and as weird as it sounds to our ears, it was not weird, right? Like, and, and I'm not telling you that story because I'm a hero. I'm literally not a hero. It's, it's, this is just what it means to be moved by the Spirit, right? Like we're just, oh, ooh. Like, this is who Jesus is. I've, I've come to say what I've seen. Moved by the Spirit. At work, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, uh, many of us in here coach teams. I, I would like to encourage everybody who's a coach right now, uh, pay attention to your players, but pay attention to the parents. That's where the money's at. Pay attention to the parents. Pay attention to the parents. The parents are hurting, y'all. The parents are not okay. All right? All right. Hey, uh, let's pray this morning. We're going to sing one more time. If you're on the worship band, come on up. And if you are not on the worship band, please don't come up. And would you stand up where you are? And I want to pray. I just want to pray that Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that it would go deep into our hearts and that it would, that it would work through us. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.